In this episode, we're going to talk about how to identify sources, as in people. People that can give us useful information. We call them sources or useful mammals. That's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to use an example of one of our listeners that's doing it right now for work. Going over some questions and comments they have, we're going to take a look at how to identify sources, some of the things we need to look out for and be careful of, so we can be a little smarter about it and make sure that we don't burn bridges, lose friends, or accidentally let people know what we're doing when we don't need to. Fine skill, takes a little finesse, but it's not hard to get into. So identifying sources, who's going to get us information? How do we identify them? How do we use them? How do we figure out which ones are going to be better than others and which ones should we avoid? That's what we're going to talk about right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we're going to be addressing Mr. Fairbane again. He's the individual that got into skip tracing, bounty hunting, and is trying to get into that world, make his job a little bit better, make some cash. And he sent me a series of emails. We had a little conversation today talking about stuff and the Intel training page. A couple things I need to point out before we get into the whole source thing. One is I had failed to specify some things. It was my fault. I believe it was my fault. But he wanted to point out something I had mentioned that he was in the Marine Corps and the military and got injured through MMA. And that was inaccurate. He wanted to make sure I understood that he was in the delayed entry program he got accepted in the Marine Corps. He had passed his ADFAB. He had his job. He had everything lined up. He's just in the delayed entry program, meaning we're going to wait a while until we actually go start a new job. And that's when he got injured and was never able to join. He wanted to clarify that because he has an important and valuable trait that the military loves called integrity. And it's so funny because the big military says that now and a lot of them don't have it. But that is definitely integrity. And he wanted to make sure out of respect that nobody thought he was claiming to be something he was not. So I definitely appreciate that. He did answer a few other questions. I did see those and I will respond to those, including the ones about email accounts. I'm not going to do that on here. And then we're going to take a look at one other thing he mentioned was a training company called Red Frog. That's not what they're called anymore. So if you look them up, the only one I found was in Oregon, not them. He lives in a whole other state. So to answer your question, I'm not going to mention the name of the company. He knows what it is, but I'm going to do this to help people out. Well, I have covered this before. One, I don't recommend you go there for training without looking somewhere else. Here's why. A few things. The way in which I recall you communicating the type of instructors they had, I'm not sure if that was something that just was a misunderstanding or what you thought. Now, when I looked in their website, they have two instructors. That's not a bad thing. A lot of companies only have a couple instructors. They had this weird phrasing in there about being law enforcement and military instructors. And the way they wrote that sentence, if I knew him, I'd tell him to rewrite it because it, it raises questions like, do you train law enforcement and military? Were you instructors in law enforcement and military? I mean, it, it's not clear. It doesn't have anything on there about them that I could find. I couldn't find anything that says anything about their background or who they really are. And looking through all their stuff, I only spent about 10 or 15 minutes to make my decision. I only spent like two or three looking those guys up just to see what I could find on them. And if I'm correct on one of them being in the military, who they are is not somebody in special operations. Might not be the same person. I'm just saying what I found in a couple of minutes. Now, the other thing is they don't have a lot of classes listed on there. Not too many. There's things I would consider like they have a concealed weapons class. I think it was about $79 or something showing that it was like a discount. At $79 is probably a general average fare. Like out here in Arizona, they're 
30 to probably 80 bucks, depending on where you go. And it's only a three hour class. You're not doing any shooting, so they may not be bad. I would find out like, are they helping you process everything to get that concealed weapon permit? I would also look to other places to make sure that if they're teaching the standard requirement and that covers about three hours of time in the state of Colorado, they're not going to be doing anything likely any different than anybody else. I would just shop around and say, is there anybody else teaching this class in about the same amount of time, especially if, if the instructor is former law enforcement or career law enforcement and is it cheaper because it's a very simple product. I would just check that out, but that may not be a bad class to go to. Then I saw they had like their private instruction time and the hours they're charging seemed all right. The problem with it is it didn't really tell you what they're teaching you. It's like, Hey, private training, you know, it didn't really say anything. And then from there I went and looked up the company and looked at reviews. And a lot of reviews are the ones I warn people about. They would say things like, this dude's a great instructor. This was a great class. I had a good time. You should go. You learn a lot. And some of them are literally statements like that. There's nothing wrong with that. But those are the ones I ignore, not because they're positive, because they're vague. It's better when they say things like, I took this class. Here's what I knew when I show up. Here's the kind of things we did. Here's what this person did for me. Here's the things that I learned. Things that are solid, especially when you're looking at a company that isn't even telling you the specifics of what they're teaching you. I noticed they had a class for $700 that was a two-night night vision training class. It looked like with carbines for like five hours each night. 700 bucks is fine for that. There's a bunch of reasons why you'd want to charge $700. Probably what I would charge. Because like when I have a company, that's not something I'm going to be doing anytime soon. And I noticed that it said like you had to have something like a vetted prior carbine class. So my first thought was, well, are you guys teaching that class? And then I realized they're not even teaching this $700 class. They're bringing these guys in from Florida. Now, those guys are guys I would train with, but they're in Florida. So they may not be available with you. Might not be available to you in that area. But they're not even teaching that class. They brought somebody else in to do it. So it questions to me what they're really capable of teaching and what their knowledge and experience is if they can't do a basic carving class that only adds in night vision, you know, and possibly using IR lasers versus everything else. Not saying they can't do it, but they chose to bring these guys in. Maybe they're just buddies with those guys and those guys are going to be in the area and they're helping them out. There could be a lot of reasons why. But just based on what I saw, I would look other places. Now, because of your location... I did a little bit of looking for a couple minutes. I saw there's a few other places, relatively kind of a, one thing I would look at, some of this is going to depend on money, although I think their prices are fair, is called Fieldcraft Survival. Do not confuse any of that with the name you gave me because it's a completely different company. They're based out of Heber City, Utah, ran by a former Special Sources Sergeant Major, Tier 1 Operator, Mike Glover. All of his instructors Maybe not now because he's brought so many guys in. He's probably brought other people in, but the vast majority of his two dozen or so instructors are all from the special operations community. But there are other people there too. Now they teach courses all over the country. When you go to fieldcraftsurvival.com, you go down to training. One thing to note is it's sorted by upcoming dates of training. You can't go in there and like look by area. So you have to go through and look at them and it'll tell you if they're sold out. And there are a few that are only for law enforcement. They train all over the country company's expanded like i think it's kevin estrella's opening or running the one out here in arizona and then their other field officer whatever you call it kevin owens is running out of north carolina so they have training in heber city and like provo utah which is 
uh, just on a map, the distance from Provo to the closest major city located where this company, as you identified to me, is only a few hours. It's not that far. So it really depends on where you're at. I would check them out. They're not the only ones, but I was trying to find something under five hour drive. Now I didn't look in Denver or Boise or Missoula or even as far as Salt Lake City or even South. I didn't look in any of these areas. There's places you can look around those areas. There's also companies that like Fieldcraft where they travel all over the country and train in different locations and in the state you're in and the states around you, they're there often. It's just different companies. So there's other companies to look at that are out there. You just have to check them out and find them. But for what's closest to you and the time I had to put into it, I would definitely take a look at Fieldcraft Survival and then see what they're offering and if that's in your price range. If not, I would look at other local companies that are teaching stuff. Look for more information. How long have they been around compared to this company? It should have some description or bio on their website of who these instructors are and their resume and how that contributes to what they're doing. If they don't have that, I bring into question either A, their legitimacy, or B, which is more likely, just how well prepared they are to run the company, how prepared they are to run the training, how new they are. There's things that they might be missing, clearly not cross-referencing with other companies that are doing the same thing to see how they're doing it, the ones that are being successful. And I think it's relevant information you should have. You're hiring them. That's what you're doing. When you're going somewhere to get training like this, you're not paying for training. You're hiring an instructor. When you hire somebody, you want a resume. That should be on the website. And it should have some amount of detail and specifics on the types of things you're going to learn in the amount of time for the money you're paying. They don't do that. So that's uh, something I suggest you take a look at. Now, that's not to say their training is bad. I don't know what their training is. I'm just telling you the reasons why I probably wouldn't use them. I would look at other places first to see if there's something that meet my needs. It may turn out you end up using them. You might have a great time. You might learn a lot. It might be the best training you ever had. No way for us to know that, though. We don't have the information suggesting that or the reviews endorsing that. Now, let's get into identifying our sources. I'm taking it casual today, folks. You might hear a bit more things in the background I don't edit out because I'm just kind of pissed off at the weather. So going into Fairbane here, one of the things he writes, he's trying to get help. We're helping him out. He said, so in response to your podcast titled Threat Identification, thank you once again. I found it very useful and I'm implementing your feedback where possible. I had not thought of using Excel to catalog skips and connections. I'm currently playing with a version similar to it. Well, good. I'm glad that's helped. You'd also suggest meeting up with a police officer to cover points in the scope of my employment. I'd mentioned my father was a former Marine, but he also worked for a sheriff's department for 20 years, now retired. That being said, I'm definitely using his guidance on many aspects of the job where I live in the same area. See, that's great because you probably have constant access to the guy. He's retired now. I'm a retired guy. We love talking about what we did. And yeah, maybe there's some things that are outdated, but generally most of it, probably not. Not to mention that even if he was a sheriff in a different location than you live, a lot of general stuff's going to translate. A lot of it. So that's awesome that you have that resource and you don't have to pay for him. Says, the synopsis I got from your replies that I'm attempting to build a form of intelligence network and I'm greatly looking forward to the podcast related. Yes. That's essentially what you're doing. It's not really the only thing you're doing, but that's the way to look at it. You're building... I'm not saying this is what you should be doing. I'm saying this is what I took 
from the way that question was asked and how I answered it is that you're building a database of information that you're going to build over time related to all the cases and all this other stuff. And you need to be able to track it and you want to be able to use it now and in the future in order to have historical data to find future skips, future bounties. To me, that's an intelligence network. Now I say that because it's going to involve people. You cannot arguably have an Intel network that has nothing to do with people, but it's going to involve people. So that's why I made that statement. So here's what he's starting to do right now. Skipping ahead a little bit. He says, one thing I've done in the past week is talk to close friends who own a barber shop in my area. High traffic spot, mostly men. People that feel comfortable talking about things they wouldn't say anywhere else. Any place like that is a great place to at least practice listening, observation, or to get information if it's related. We see it in movies all the time. Ladies go to the salon. They're laughing, drinking wine. They're talking all this stuff they'd never say outside of the salon. All that is is what barbershops used to be. I'm, I'm sure yours is a legit barbershop, but I'm saying like old school barbershops where you get the hot shave and guys go in and it smells like the old aftershave that smells really good. Like, man, when I go to Vegas, I go pay money to get a hot shave. Those places are great. The same as like bars when they're not packed. When you get Even if you get regulars in there, because that's a nice thing. If somebody's a regular at a bar, they probably live close by enough to justify that being a regular visit. And I can get into the science of it, like why you shoot pool better when you're drinking. But you get just enough alpha call, but not too much. People tend to talk a lot and be a lot more open. So any place where people are comfortable speaking, especially when they're around people like locker rooms at gyms, anything, you're going to have that. You go out to restaurants and you're going to observe people. If you go out at nighttime, you're more likely to see things more like a date. Whereas if you go out at lunchtime, you're about to see more people on their lunch break that are going to be chatty Cathy's. Tend to be the case, but not always. So anyway, as he says, it's a high traffic spot, mostly men. I read that part. We talked about the surprising and sometimes ridiculous amount of information this guy kicks up on a day-to-day basis. Not only does he see many faces, but the conversations reveal bits of information that over time have revealed interesting, concerning, and hilarious truths. He says he would love to help both out of interest and as a close friend, I'm currently putting together names and photos to run by him. So, you have a source. That's essentially what that is. A couple things. You're working on a basis of trust. Depending on how well you know this person in your relationship is to get to them understand you're doing this for work. You'd really appreciate them not telling anybody, even their family. You know, you're not putting them on the payroll, but you want to protect them as well as you. Because some of the people you're going to chase are going to be violent. And there's all kinds of things you can do in the future. But there's also, what's great about it is, is figuring out how often you can talk to the guy. And what I would do initially, until you develop, no matter how well you know this person, until you have the professional relationship and you have a lot of practice in this, what I suggest you do to be safer and protect both of you is to just visit more often when you can and listen to the stories and things they have to tell you before giving them information you're looking for. Because one thing is you're just getting this number two, despite how this person is or how they say they behave on this type of information, you cannot take that as gospel. You got to take it as they don't know what they're doing. And the last thing you want is people asking questions about information you want in a way that's going to make it very known that they're acting out of the ordinary, asking about dangerous information that even if the person they're talking to is the right person, there could be somebody else listening that could be bad. And that spreads like wildfire and that's a bad thing. So 
while showing them pictures might be okay on occasion, I definitely wouldn't what we would call task them with things that you want them to find out for you. It'd be different if you were a cop and they were a CI. That's not the situation. You are a civilian. They are civilian. Look at it that way. Your friends don't ruin that. Just do it more like debriefing. What kind of fun stories did you hear this week? And then as you go along, ask more questions and see what they know instead of trying to tell them what you're looking for. And if they start getting eager for direction, that's when you need to be more careful. It's going to seem like they're ready for more because they want more direction, what to look for. That's when you need to be more cautious. Um, and one of the things I want to point out to anybody doing this, it is personally, personal-wise, dangerous to do this with people you know, unless you're in the same business, you're in the same profession. You can lose friends over things like this. But these places are great. What's great about this is you have a place where somebody is hearing information, involved in conversation, finding things out through observation just through their job that's willing to talk to you off the clock that may be able to share with you information of interest. They are a source. You also being in there and hanging out for a while is another another way to get information. But if you have them doing it even better so you don't have to be there all the time, because that can look odd. There's people that maybe, maybe at this place, there's people that hang out there all the time and that's just what they do. You'd be the new guy hanging out. It'd be a long time for the trust builds up. You know, or what happens if somebody comes in every Tuesday for a haircut and they see you every Tuesday, but then a couple of days later they walk by and see you there on a Thursday and they're like, why is that guy there on a Thursday? He's getting a haircut two days later. You want to be careful of things like that standing out. So the fact that they're there probably talking to you off the clock, that's a good thing. And that works to your benefit. Now, I don't suggest at this point you go around looking for people like that, knowing them or not. Being like, hey, would you be willing to talk to me about conversations you hear? You don't want to do that. And here's here's the thing why. Number one, you're going to run into somebody who's watched too many movies and they're going to think you're some kind of spy and then they're going to tell people about it and that's not good. Or they're going to, or they're just going to think you're some kind of spy and get really weird because that's not how those conversations go down. The other thing is you're potentially putting people in danger even if you don't want to. So there's a bunch of ways to do it. Most of it is going to be your own legwork on the ground, going to places where you can listen to things. You know, it's like, let's say, for example, I don't know if this is even realistic. Let's assume it is. Let's say there's a neighborhood or portion of town that one or more of the people you're trying to find or potentially may have to find in the future came from and tend to be around, but they're hard to find. And you know, in this area, there's a couple of restaurants people go to during lunch could last as much as three hours where they talk about all kinds of things, even things people have done that are bad or they shouldn't talk about, but they feel so safe and trusted in the neighborhood. Nobody says anything. They feel okay and shoot their mouths off. That may very well be a place you could go and listen and you'll know right away because if you're able to sit, but not too close to them to where you can hear what's going on, but you're not looking at them all the time because they'll figure that out. Then you won't stand out and then they'll, they'll leave you alone. It's like, one of the places around here, there's a diner I go to in the morning sometimes just to listen to these old dudes talk about what's going on in the community. I get a lot of their opinions and thoughts on it, but I do get some general information about things going on that I can look up later that I may not be aware of. Now, what's nice about it being in the morning, there's only usually a few people in there. So I look around and see people anyway, so it doesn't really stand out. The restaurant was full and I looked at them or they looked at me too much, it would stand out. It's the same idea as any social place. Like if you look at religious institutions, especially churches that are tend to be more Protestant, but not only those, there's people that show up early and there's people there that do different things, whether preaching or playing music. 
you know, they got greeters, you come in, people hang out and talk for a little bit. Most of the people show up 10, 15 minutes beforehand. You have your church service, you do whatever. Afterwards, people shake the hand of the pastor or whoever. And the church I grew up in, that was modern Protestant church. Kids played and people hung out sometimes for an hour or two and had a lot of conversations. Things like that, it was to me, it was no different than going to the park and having a barbecue with a bunch of people. That's what it felt like after church every Sunday for a couple hours. Places like that where people are just so comfortable talking about whatever and having conversations and so many people are doing it. It's like church. It's not because it's church. It's the environment where so many people are talking and sharing things. They're not worried about that new guy listening. They're not worried about the new guy walking by. They're not worried about that new guy standing over there. They're so comfortable with so many people who used to being around and just talking about whatever. They don't even think about it. How can I prove that? Your barbershop. You got somebody there saying way too much. And that's just a barbershop with a few people in it. Why? Because they're comfortable. They're comfortable because of the type of environment and social situation they're in. That's why I always highlight things like bars at certain times, restaurants at certain times, religious institutions. Those are social situations. School, public school, college, on break, on recess, at lunch. What do people do? They talk about stuff. They tend to talk about things that typically have nothing to do with what they're doing. Some kids at school at recess or in the cafeteria probably talk about math, but most of them talk about all the other things they like to do. Like when I went to church when I was younger, people didn't talk about God and church and religion afterwards. They talked about the job they had, their family, things they're doing, whatever. So keep doing what you're doing. You're on the right path. Start with identifying locations that are social situations that in general, people tend to be more communicative, talk a lot more, find out where those places are. See if there are places you can visit where you go unnoticed. So, for example, if you go visit church a few times and it's a new church, unless it's really, really small or people are real, real nosy, which can happen, you'll probably go somewhat unnoticed. You don't have to identify yourself as new when they ask. You just sit there, be quiet, and just get a feel for how people act and behave to see if this is a potential place. Maybe in the future I can get information. So we're taking general ideas and we're narrowing it down. Then... Target those locations specifically if they're in and around an area that may be somewhat related to where you have to go look for people. They don't have to be right in it if it's a really bad area. Like for churches, I know plenty of people that drive by 10, 20 churches to go to church because they like that one. You know, you hear some conversations in the grocery store, but not too often. But identify these locations. See what's going on. You know, if you say you've got a dog and like this is what I've done with my dog is I've gone to public parks all around this area in a radius of a few hours. Uh, it took me a long time to do it. And I go at different times of day to different parks, especially when I saw activities like there'd be birthday parties, little league, just a bunch of people out and say if there's a dog park there. And I would take my dog and I would do my thing. And all I was really doing though was paying attention to other people and listening to what they were talking about to see what was kind of the culture of this specific location at these times when there's people here to see what people are like. I did it out of practice, but to see how chatty Cathy they are and the types of things they talked about to see is this a place I could potentially come to to get even random information in the future. What you're doing is vetting locations for potential the same way we vet people for potential sources. So while you're You've got a source and you're looking at places you can go to to potentially find sources or just information from large groups of chatty people in the future. The other thing you're doing is potentially identifying people that you may not even know that you can find ways to get into a conversation, whether it be close by to hear something or 
maybe you take all these situations or, or there's locations like this you already have you attend regularly anyway, and there's people that you know that you can get more information from. The thing is, is when you talk to somebody, the less you know them, then the less you know about how they're going to react any way you talk to them. But that can't, not always, but can make it easier to be a little bit more direct in your questions without going overboard sounding like you're an investigator on television. Whereas when you have friends and relationships and coworkers and family, when you start communicating them in a way that is not normal to how they're used to communicating them, it's going to stand out more because they already know you quite a bit and think they know you a lot more than they do. And that's going to stand out. So my suggestion is when starting out is the closer you are to somebody or the more sensitive the situation is, the more that you listen. The less sensitive that situation location is, the less you really know that person is, the more you can interact and ask questions because that's somewhat normal when you're getting to know somebody or you just meet them. You just got to be careful about questions going to go too far. And you start as simply as saying, this random dude came up to me in this manner, had this conversation, and this was his second, third, and fourth question. Would I or somebody else feel like this was invasive? If you even remotely think that's a possibility, then you need to change your approach, change how many questions you're going to ask, or change the way in which you ask them. Now, a podcast is the best I can do, really. I'm hoping this advice helps you, and I am glad that you're getting a start at this. This should help anybody else out there that's looking to build your source network. You can just add this into that circumstance or situation you're in where you're trying to build that network of information and people that you can get information from for whatever reason. If you're new to this and you just randomly picked this one or it's been a while since you heard it, go back and listen to in the first season where we talked about setting up an Intel network that covers a lot of this same stuff in a little more detail about how we're going to kind of track information and the types of sources we want in certain situations and how we keep them separated from other, but how we identify direct and indirect connections between all these people to figure out ways to connect them without them knowing to either get more information, deliver more information, figure out who we're going to talk to, who we're going to listen to more. There's a lot of good info there. Biggest thing is be careful. You don't want to sound like you're a character off TV, no matter what anybody thinks of that, whether it's a cop, a spy, or whatever else. You don't want to burn bridges. You don't want to burn relationships. Remember, more flies with honey, being nice, being somewhat passive, being amenable, being kind, those things get you farther. Apologies you don't need and people don't deserve will get you farther than being like, I'm not apologizing for that. You're completely in the wrong. Nothing wrong with talking to somebody like that, but I'm saying if you're trying to get information out of them, those are the things that close doors and put up barriers. You want to tear down barriers and open up doors in order to get people communicating. That's the overall goal. And that's why you probably can see now you have to be a lot more careful with it and people you know that are closer to you than those random strangers that are not. If you like this episode, don't forget us a like, share, heart, whatever your platform is using, and make sure you let people know you think will enjoy this material. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're at, and don't forget to check out the show notes and check out dmrpublications.com. And we will be back again shortly with more information right here on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight.